This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. As often happens, I'm forced to walk to the back of the studio to snuggle up in that old leather chair and listen in along with you as we enjoy another episode of Richard Diamond, Private Detective. As Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Hello there, this is Diamond. I have a little office on Broadway at 53rd Street. And if you happen to be in the neighborhood sometime, you might notice a sign on the door. It reads Diamond Detective Agency. Yeah, that's how I make a living, such as it is. I sit at my desk behind that door and wait for someone to come in and hire me. Eventually, trouble works its way into someone's life and gives him a shove in my direction. He tells me about it, and I listen with the attitude of a father confessor. When he's done, I dry my eyes and tell him what I think. What I think really doesn't matter, because it's just a shortcut to $100 a day in expenses. Sure, you can hire a guy for less money, but when I work, it's for a price I figure I'm worth. It's got to be that way because sometimes the work's a little dirty and I have to swallow a lot of pride. I get mixed up in everything from simple divorce to muscle-bound homicide and when trouble can't find me a client, it starts working on yours truly and I wind up in a corner. I guess trouble figured I was just about due for a squeeze play because one night last week, two lifers in the state pen started working me into their plans. What about it, Walsh? Shut up. Wait until the guards pass. Okay. Drag out the cards like we was playing. Sure. Is it uh, set for the night? Yeah. I got the car and everything. Yeah. We'll head for Florida and get across to Cuba. Oh, well, I'd be glad to get out of this stir. Three lousy years. Yeah, I got eight behind me. I used every minute figuring how I'm going to take care of a guy. Oh, Walsh, you're not going to start that again. Forget it. Be glad you're getting out. You knock off that guy and you'll never make it to Cuba. Now, look. I figured this whole thing out. I paid out a lot of dough just to make it come off. And when it does, I'm going to kill an ex-cop. And you're going to help me. Me? Yeah. Unless you want to rot here. Oh, you're out of your mind. 
If this break comes off, it'll be the neatest trick in years, and you want to louse it up by knocking off some guy on the outside? You can stay here and rot if you want to. The only way I take you along is you help me to get a guy named Diamond. Yeah, but you waste a lot of time in New York. They'll have the roads covered by then. Look, just because this Diamond guy knocked off your brother on that bank job, you see... You bust out of here, it's on my terms. Make up your mind, it's getting late. Okay, give me the layout. Yeah, what is it, Otis? We just got a call, Lieutenant. Two prisoners busted out of Sing Sing, killed two guards. Who are they? Big time. Bob Wells and Charles Walsh. Charles Walsh? Yeah, life. I know, I know. Diamond helped send him up before I took over this department. Otis, get Diamond on the phone. Diamond? Yeah, Diamond. Who'd you think I meant? Little Red Riding Hood? Yeah, yeah Lieutenant. Call Diamond, Otis. Bring me my bicarbonate, Otis. Someday I'm going to get good and sore. What did you say? Uh, nothing. Ah, uh, nuts. Now, what's the matter? His office don't answer. Give me that phone. Eh? We've got to find him before Walsh does. Maybe he's over at Helen Asher's house. All right, Otis, stop standing on one foot. You can leave. Miss Asher's residence. Hello, Francis. This is Lieutenant Levinson. Is Diamond there? Why, no, sir, but Miss Asher expects him. Oh, oh wait a moment, sir. Here's Miss Asher. It's Lieutenant Levinson for Mr. Diamond, Miss Helen. Oh, thank you, Francis. Hello, Walt. How are you, Helen? I was looking for Rick. Oh, I was just talking to him. He should be here in about 20 minutes. Why? Uh, will you have him call me right away? Something wrong? No, no. Just tell him... Tell him an old friend of his is in town and I have to talk to him about it. Oh, all right, Walt. I'll tell him. Oh, thanks, Helen. It'll be at least 20 minutes. He's walking over from the office. Okay, Diamond, hold it right there. Start walking over to that sedan. Don't you know it's not polite to point? Look, laughing boy, I got a big gun in my pocket. Well, I'm proud of you. I thought it was a crossbow. Get moving. Okay. I'd never seen him before. He was a tall guy with a scar on his chin. He walked me over to the sedan and opened the door. He moved in close and shook me down. He relieved me of my 38 and motioned me into the front seat. I slid in and he started to follow, so I kept one leg out in front of me and kicked him in the face. I couldn't get enough leverage to cool him, but it gave me enough time to get out the other door and start making like a miler. I looked over my shoulder and saw him climb out holding a bloody nose. I knew he wouldn't take a shot unless he got close enough to make it count, so when he started after me, I ducked into the subway. I found a dime and went through the turnstile. A train was getting ready to pull out, so I pushed my way on just as the gonnet came down the stairs. He said he wasn't happy to see me go. He didn't even wave goodbye. Wait a minute, you! Wait! Oh, nuts. No, it Yeah, you and your swell ideas. What's the matter? I waited for Diamond outside his office, like you said. I started to hustle him in the car, and he kicked me in the face. Oh. I think my nose is you broken. You stupid... I told you to be careful. Yeah, sure you did. You think I like getting booted in the nose? 
Look, if you want diamonds so much, you get them yourself. Maybe you can tell me how you're going to get to Cuba without me? Hmm? Oh. Well, what do you want me to do now? I still want diamond. Yeah, but he jumped a subway train. How am I supposed to find her? I found out he's got a dame over in Park Avenue. Pick her up and bring her over here. Pick her up? I'd give you the chair for kidnapping. I'll use her to get diamond. Pick her up if you want to get out of the country. Yeah, but a no, snitch. Look, I busted you out of store. I can bust you right back in. Oh. I'll pick her up. Her name is Helen Asher. She lives at 975 Park. Well, what if someone else is there? What if there is? You want me to stop over making a fourth for bridge? Get him out of the way and bring the dame to me. <laughs> Hello, Otis. Well, Diamond. Lieutenant's been looking all over the city for you. I bet you've been a nervous wreck. I wouldn't care if you fell off the George Washington Bridge, Shamus. Why, Otis? After all, we've been to each other. Uh, nuts. You better go on in and see the lieutenant. Sure. Hey, uh, Sergeant. Yeah? When are you going to get some new shoes? If yours turn up any more in front, you'll have to ski to work. Uh... Hello, Walt. Rick, we've been looking all over for you. Why don't you cops get on the job? It's getting so it isn't safe for a citizen to walk the streets at high noon. What are you yakking about? Well, I leave my office to go to see Helen and some goon tries to hold me up. Well, you're lucky you didn't get it right then. Do you know who busted out of jail last night? Go on, scare me. Charles Walsh. He swore if he ever did bust out, he'd get you. Wow. That explains something. Why, what happened? This character tries to hustle me into a car, so I shoved my foot in his face and beat it into a subway. But it wasn't Walsh. Might have been Bob Wells. He busted out with him. I can tell you in a minute. Got a file on him? Sure. Otis, bring in the file on Bob Wells. Right away, Lieutenant. Oh, Walt, you mind if I use your phone? Now, go ahead. I better call Helen. Tell her I'm going to be a little late. Well, I just talked to her and asked her to have you call. Where is everybody? Yes? Francis? Oh, Mr. Diamond. Please hurry over here. Something's happened to Miss Asher. What are you talking about? Miss Asher's been kidnapped. What? Yes, sir. A man came in and made Miss Asher go down to his car at the point of a gun. He also hit me over the head. Was he a tall man with a scar on his chin? Yes, sir. That's right. We'll be right over. Walt, I think the guy that tried to push me around has kidnapped Helen. Oh, no. He pulled a gun on her and slugged Francis. We better get over there. Now, if Charles Walsh is loose and he's trying to get me, then snatching Helen is a sure way to get me to come around. Hey, uh, where's that file on Bob Wells? Wait a minute. Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant. Haven't you got that file on Wells yet? Yes, sir. I was just bringing it in. Well, step on it. Otis is bringing it in. Here you are, Lieutenant. Let me see it. Hey, now, wait a minute. Oh, shut up, Otis. This is the guy, all right. He's the one who tried to pick me up. Uh, uh, may I take one of these pictures, Walt? Sure, but what are you going to do? I'll see if I can find him. You go on over and talk to Francis. See if this is the same guy who took Helen. I'm going to go down to Skid Row and talk to a wise old owl who knows about things like this. I got out of the 5th precinct in a hurry and grabbed a cab for Skid Row. I knew an old deadbeat down there who had a line on every crook in the underworld. And there was just a chance he could tell me where Bob Wells was hiding out. His name was Wilbur Truitt, and he hung out in a shabby dive called the Parrot. Hello, Wilbur. What? Hey, good. 
You at the piano, strike up a chorus of my body, for the wandering boy has returned. Look, Wilbur... I I... would rise and bow from the waist as befits the occasion, but I fear that some sterno I accidentally came in contact with has rusted my spine, and I am forced to remain in a sitting position. I haven't got time to listen to the routine, Wilbur. I'm looking for someone. Here, take a look at this picture. Ever see this guy? Unless I have my morning constitutional book... I can bring nothing into focus but a large bottle and a straw. Oh, oh waiter. Waiter, uh, give me a bottle. You have arrived in the nick of time. I get that wonderful warm glow when you ask for a whole bottle. A snap comparison would be that of a happy mother smiling blissfully at a nursing babe. Okay, Wilbur, now tell me, uh, uh, do you know this man? One sip of strength and I shall have the eyes of a carrot-stuffed feline. Now, ah, yes, I can see the gentleman clearly. In fact, my vision has so greatly improved it begins to take on the functions of an X-ray. For instance, I can readily perceive that the man in question is addicted to false stimulants, and his low brow and squinty eyes tell me that he is indeed a person of some doubtful character. You're looking in the mirror. No, here, here's this picture. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Mr. Bobby Wells. The description is flexible. Know where I can find him? Up until yesterday, he was residing at an institution upstate. Sing Sing, I believe. It is very possible that he is hiding out at one of his old haunts on 23rd Street, but uh, I couldn't say for sure. Oh, why not? Uh, This bottle you purchased entitles you to one of my best Yes, To be absolutely accurate, I would need further inducement. It's the risk, bucko. Uh, bring me another jug, bartender. Ah, bless you. Try looking in a rooming house at 533 West 23rd Street. Now, if you don't mind, I shall forget the necessity for long conversations and begin to concentrate on the work ahead of me. Goodbye, Bucko, and stop in again. Say tomorrow morning if you wake up feeling charitable. I left Wilbur trying to figure the best way to parlay the two bottles and headed for the address he'd given me. It was a typical apartment house of the district, a four-story building with a high premium insurance policy. I asked the landlady if a Bob Wells lived there, and she told me a man answering his description had taken a room there that morning. She told me he'd gone out a few minutes before and she let me into his room. I told her to keep a lookout and warn me if he showed. Then I started looking. I tore the place apart, but I didn't come up with a thing. I spotted the phone and started to call Walt, and that's when I saw it. A pad lying by the base of the phone with a heavy imprint left from the writing on the top sheet. I pulled an old trick. I took a pencil and rubbed the lead lightly over the imprint... And up came one telephone number. I dialed it and waited. Heinberg's delicatessen. Oh, uh, is Bob Wells there? Oh? Bob Wells. Thanks. Well, it's like that. One minute you think you've got a lead hot enough to melt your change purse. And the next you find yourself looking like a tree surgeon in Death Valley. But in my business, it takes a conventional three to strike you out. So I found the address of the delicatessen, and 15 minutes later, I was standing between a smoked herring and a three-foot salami talking with Mr. Weinberg. What can I do for you, sir? 
Oh, uh, I talked with you, oh, say, 20 minutes ago about a Mr. Bob Wells. Bob Wells? Oh, yes. Never heard of him. Uh, take a look at this picture. Maybe you know the face and not the name. It's familiar. Yes, I think I've seen him somewhere. Think hard now. This is important. Are you a policeman? Detective. Oh. How about it? Oh, yeah, yeah. As long as you're a cop, sure I remember him. He came to my store last night. I remember because I had already closed and he kept pounding on the door. Finally, I let him in. He was very rude. He bought a lot of groceries, but very rude. Have you seen him again? Sure, he came in this morning about locks and bagels. Stell Road. Mm. Where's your phone? In the back. Has uh, this Mr. Wells done something? He left Sing Sing without saying goodbye to the warden. <laughs> now, look, uh, I'm going in the back and use your phone. If Wells happens to come in while I'm back there, stall him and come back and tip me off. I'll do my best, but he better not be rude. Hey, Walt, I'm in a delicatessen over on 24th Street. The Eric. I traced Wells this far, found out he's been buying food here, probably for Walsh. You think Walsh is hiding somewhere in the neighborhood? Yeah, yeah, that's my guess. They probably took separate places so they could move in a hurry if one hideout got hot. I'll be over there right away. Good. Comfortable, honey, but no yelling, or I'll have to stuff up that pretty mouth. I don't understand this. Why did you kidnap me? I've been having a hard time getting in touch with your boyfriend, Diamond. Figure if his girl's in trouble, he'll come looking. I, I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> sure, sure, play it straight. But you watch. Tonight I call your butler and tell him we got you. If Diamond wants you alive, he comes to a spot I got picked up. And he comes along. I don't know any diamond. Ain't she cute, Bobby? Yeah, cute. Want me to fix her so she forgets how to lie? No, I don't care if she claims diamonds are uncle. <laughs> Go on down to Delicatessen and get some food. I'm getting hungry. Okay. I still think we ought to be getting out of town. In one hour, I call this dame's house. At 12 o'clock, I meet Diamond in the park. Then we get out. Why do you want to see uh, this diamond? Oh, we're old friends, baby. He sent me up for life, and he shot my kid brother full of holes. I just want to see that Diamond gets everything that's coming to him. You talk too much. You've got some bad habits yourself, and I get that food. And if you're too lazy to walk downstairs, I'll show you a shortcut. Uh, Three floors, straight down, you can jump for it. Okay, okay. Good evening, gentlemen. What can Weinberg do for you? Hey, Lieutenant, that chopped liver sure looks good. Keep your fat hooks off of that, Otis. Walt. Oh, yeah, Rick. Back here. All right. The storekeeper is watching out for Wells. If he shows, he'll come back here in Tempest. I parked the squad car two blocks over. I didn't want Wells or Walsh to think something was up. Where's Otis? Otis! I'll be right with you, Lieutenant. I'm just buying something to nibble on. Mm. His nibble would grind up a whole cow. If Wells comes in and spots a cop, he'll take off like a jackrabbit. Hold it, Walt. It's huh? mayor. That guy coming across the street. Looks like Wells. Oh. Otis, get away from that door. Huh? I can't hear you, Lieutenant. A man's coming in the store. Get away from the door. Yes? You want me to hide? No, you idiot. Just play it smart like you didn't know him. But get away from the door so he'll come in. Oh. Okay, Lieutenant. Leave it to me. Oh. Walt Duck. Good evening. What can Weinberg do for you? Uh, 
I'll have a couple of sandwiches. Hey, try the salami. It's great. Huh? Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, make it salami. Coleslaw? Uh, pickle beer. Nice pickle. night. Listen, uh, idiot. Yeah, sure. Master? Uh, he's doing fine, oh, Walt. Just... Relax. You live around here? Oh. Huh? No, uh, just seeing a sick friend. Yeah. Uh, maybe that salami ain't such a good idea if your friend's sick. You know, I had an uncle with ulcers. He couldn't touch the stuff. It's too much garlic. Ketchup? No. My friend's got a cold. Oh. Well, then I don't guess it'll hurt him, but... You know, the best thing for a cold is a good mustard plaster. And now you, you, you take the There's plaster... Here's your sandwiches, sir. Sixty cents. Sixty. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Hope your friend gets better. Yeah. Yeah, come on. How did I do, Lieutenant? Well, one thing is sure. He thought you were too stupid to recognize him. Can you still see him, Rick? Yeah. Yeah, he crossed the street and he's starting to walk west. I'll tell him. He knows you. Good. When you spot the place, call me here. Think I should throw a net around the neighborhood? Not till we spot the hideout. Right. Hey, Diamond. They got your girl. How are you going to get her out? Could probably use her for a shield. That's a good point, Sergeant. Believe me, I've been thinking about it. the sandwiches. Swell. Hey, mm. you only got two. Oh, there was a cop in the delicatessen. A cop? Yeah, big stupid one. Listen, I, I told him I'm getting food for a sick friend, see, and he starts giving me all kinds you of... You sure rem- you weren't tailed? Tailed? No, who tailed me? Cop stayed in the delicatessen. Okay. Here, honey. Have a sandwich. I'm not hungry. Oh. Suit yourself. Here, Bobby. Oh, Thanks. Hey, when are you going to put in that call to this dame's butler? Right after we eat. Then we go to the park and wait for Mr. Diamond. Yeah? I'm in a drugstore across from the building that Wells went in. It's about a block away. Nifty drug. Block west on your side of the street. I'll wait inside. We'll be right down. Come on, Otis. The lieutenant hasn't spotted. Okay. Thanks for the bagel, White Boy. That's all right, officer. Come back again when you can pay for it. Come on, Otis. Move your big feet. Okay, okay. Hey, you got any brilliant ideas how we're going to get Helen out of there in one piece? No, I got to admit I'm stuck. Why don't you get that bear trap mind of yours working and make yourself a hero? Yeah. Well... Maybe we could start a fire in the building. It'd have to come out. Oh, swell, swell. There's nothing I'd like better than a well-done girlfriend. Well, I was trying. Yeah. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. What's the matter? Otis, remind me to kiss you on both cheeks. Hey, what are you doing? That's a firebox. I'm turning in an alarm. There. Oh, we're going to start that fire? No, but Walsh and Wells won't know there isn't one. When the trucks come and the firemen bust in the place, they'll think it's burning down around their ears. Yeah, maybe then they won't watch Helen too close, huh? Yeah, that's the idea. Well, here's the nifty drugstore. Yeah. Rick, I've been worrying about something. Yeah, I know. How do we get Helen out? Yeah. Well, relax. Otis came up with a solution. Otis? Yeah, I turned in a fire alarm. Now, when the trucks get here, you can tell them what's up and they can go in the building and make like it was on fire. Well, won't Walsh know it's a phony if he can't smell smoke? The chief can tell him it's blazing in the basement. When they hit the street, we can get enough firemen to shield Helen and then take Walsh and Wells. I'll call the precinct and have the blocks around it. We'll need lights if they make a break for it. Uh, which apartment house are they in? That one, across the street. After I call the boys, we better go over and find out which room they're in. Quietly clear the rooms on both sides in case the shooting starts before we expect it. <laughs> <laughs> 
garlic upsets my stomach. How about that call? Yeah, right. Well, what's your phone number, baby? It's in the book. Oh, she gonna be troubled, Bobby? <laughs> he wants your number. Now, come on, we ain't got all night. All right. Evergreen, 54308. Oh, that's better. You ought to be more careful, Bobby. Your lip's bleeding. Yeah. Hey, Walsh, what's that? Sirens. Maybe that's the cops. If somebody tailed you, you... I told you I wasn't tailed. Wait, I'll go see. It's fire trucks. They're coming down a block. I don't smell no smoke. Hey, they're pulling up in front of this building. The joint must be on fire. Let's get out of here. Uh, maybe it's the building next to us. No, they're bringing the hoses right in front of the door of this joint. I'm getting out. Sit still. Maybe it ain't a big one. We can't go busting out in the street. Well, maybe it ain't a big one. But if it is, I don't want to end up like a pound of spare <laughs> Why, you... Yeah. All right, now, come on. Hey, what's that? Yeah, what is it? Fire department, we're back here from the building. What are we going to do with the dame? Shove her in that closet. Just a minute, we'll be right with you. Hurry, Tom, there's a fire in the basement. It's nearing a gas man. The whole place may go up any second. Did you hear that? Yeah, step on Okay. Hey, you better step on it. Down these stairs. We can find our way. Hey, there's a couple of prowl cars. Yeah. Separate. We'll meet at the other place. Okay, Walsh. That's far enough. Ah. It's the shamus. Get him, Walsh. Don't reach for it, Walsh. I owe you something, Diamond. You all right, Rick? Yeah, Walsh. He's a worse shot than his brother. Where's Wells? He made a break for it, but he won't get through. All right, Wells. You can't get through. Drop your gun. You won't take me, copper! Well, that's that. What about Walsh? Uh, he's pretty dead. Come on, I want to find out what happened to Helen. Well, Walt and I went up to the room and found Helen in the closet. We took her downstairs and she cried a little on my shoulder. I like that. Makes me feel so protective. Walt cleaned things up and dropped Helen and me off at her place. An hour later, Helen got back to normal and we relaxed on the couch and forgot about Wells and Walls. <sighs> How do you feel now, baby? Daddy. Want to get Francis to fix some dinner for you? Oh, no, I'm not very hungry. You can have some if you want. Mm, no, no. Want to play some canasta or something? But you always said it was a bad 200 game. Yeah, it is. Well, I forgot my jacks. <laughs> Silly. Want a neck? Ooh, what you said. Come here. No. Helen. No, I'm mad. Mad? What for? Because those two thugs ruined a wonderful evening. What's the matter? Want me to go? Oh, you idiot, of course not. I had a big surprise planned. You did? Yes. Believe it or not, I had two wonderful seats for South Pacific, and now it's too late to go. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, well, I'm sorry, baby. I'd love to have seen it. Me too. Well, I'm... Not exactly it's your pinza, but I'll try to make it up to you. Oh, Rick, that's a wonderful idea. Well, what'll it be? Uh, some enchanted evening. Oh, really? Me, 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 me. Hmm. A some enchanted evening. You may see a stranger. You may see a stranger. Across a crowded room. Rick, 
What's the matter? I was just trying to make like pizza. But, honey, it's safer for you to make like diamond. Oh. And somehow you know. You know even then. That somewhere you'll see her again and again. Oh, you're not Pinza, but it's wonderful. Thanks. Some enchanted evening, someone may be laughing. You may hear her laughing across a crowded room. And night after night, as strange as it seems, the sound of her laughter will sing in your dreams. Rick. Who can explain it? Who can tell you why? Ricky. Fools give you answers. Wise men never try. Oh, Rick. Oh, honey, what's the matter? I was just falling in love with myself. Come here. You never let me finish. Do you mind? Oh, well, no. And I'm sure Mr. Pinza doesn't either. just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Paul Fries, and Larry Dobkin. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Eve Arden to star in Our Miss Brooks. Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, there's no doubt about it. The hopped-up jalopy has replaced the tandem bicycle in most of our high schools. And occasionally, reckless driving poses a problem to the faculty. Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High, became acquainted with this problem last week. It was on Tuesday, to be exact, and I became intimately acquainted with the problem. As I was crossing the street, a wild-eyed kid bore down on me in something that looked like a torpedo with four wheels and a raccoon tail. <laughs> if I hadn't been wearing my gym shoes, I would now be welded to the grill of a Model A. <laughs> At breakfast Wednesday morning, I discovered that Mrs. Davis, my landlady, was concerned about this problem, too. I tell you, Connie, it's getting so dangerous that a body doesn't want to walk in the street anymore. Not if it has a head on it, it doesn't. <laughs> the poor traffic cops have their hands full. Well, the police can't correct this recklessness by themselves. We've got to do something about it in our school. Say, how do you like this for an idea? Wonderful, Connie. It's just what this town needs. <laughs> but I haven't told it to you yet. Oh, 
Oh, I'm so sorry. I've been seeing a lot of my sister Angela lately. <laughs> She's so absent-minded, poor dear. Yes, I know, Mrs. Davis, but please listen to this. I'm going to suggest to Mr. Conklin that we form our own student police force. It would be made up of students who drive their own cars, and they'd have the power to arrest anyone who violated traffic laws. That sounds good. It's just like uh, self-government, isn't it? It's more like self-preservation. <laughs> Another thing you should do is to start a class in driving at Madison. You might have something there, Mrs. Davis. You know, Clay City High has a driving class. I know it. And their principal, Jason Brill, is Mr. Conklin's arch-rival. Why, he even donated his own car for the class. I remember reading about it. Mr. Conklin should certainly go for my ideas, if only to show he's as progressive-minded as Mr. Brill. Oh, that's Walter Denton. He's driving me down to school. I'll just be a minute, Walter. <laughs> See you tonight, Mrs. Davis. All right, Connie. Now, uh, don't forget to tell Mr. Conklin your ideas about the student police force and the driving class. I won't. And remember our safety motto. Which one is that? Uh, which one is what? <laughs> our safety motto. Oh, that's a dandy one. <laughs> yes, it should catch on in no time. Well, goodbye again, Mrs. Davis. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Good morning, Walter. Good morning to you, all fairest of the faculty. <laughs> now, do you notice anything different today? Different? Let's see. Oh, yes. You've got jam on your face instead of peanut butter. <laughs> oh, I don't mean about me. I mean about my car. Well, take a good look. Well, for heaven's sake, who stole your fenders? And what are those outlandish pipes sticking out for? Well, I know you're not very mechanical-minded, Miss Brooks. So I'll make it very simple. Stretch Snodgrass and I hopped it up in auto school, shop at school. You see, first of all, we dropped the chassis springs, we put in a lightweight camshaft, two Winfield downdraft pots, and a four-port Riley super-speed high-compression head. Do you follow? Not quite. What did you say after you said, I'll make it very simple? <laughs> Just hop in, and I'll show you how this heap of heavenly hot iron can dig out. Comfy, Miss Brooks? Snug as a bug in the engine room of a destroyer. <laughs> My legs are sort of tangled up with these pipes and valves, but what's this strange thing sticking out of the engine that looks like a thermos jug? It's a thermos jug. <laughs> I strapped my lunch to the engine because Mother likes me to have a hot meal these days. Well, nothing like a nice bologna and battery acid sandwich. <laughs> well, let's get started, Walter. Now, hang on, Miss Brooks. I'll turn her over. Here we go. Connie Brooks to control tower. Connie Brooks to control tower. Please give us a clearance. We're taking off for the next airport. Over and out and across the river and into the trees. <laughs> Exactly four minutes and nine seconds. Say, Miss Brooks, you look a little blue. What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. What color do you get when you hold your breath for four minutes and nine seconds? <laughs> I didn't mean to frighten you. Uh-oh. Mr. Conklin just got out of his car up ahead. I better park somewhere else. 
I'll talk to you about your driving later on, young man. Right now, I've got something to take up with our beloved principal. Okay, Miss Brooks. See you. Good morning, Mr. Conklin. May I speak with you for a moment? You'll have to wait until I look over this rear fender of mine, Miss Brooks. My dear wife used the car yesterday, backed it out of the garage in her customary side-saddle manner. <laughs> Women drivers. Gad, it'll cost me $10 to have that fender straightened out. Oh, not necessarily, Mr. Conklin. You could put it into the school shop, and the boys will be happy to fix it for nothing. Just what I was thinking. The boys in the school shop will be happy to fix it for nothing. Now, what is it you wanted to talk to me about? The reckless driving among our teenage citizens. The local police force just can't cope with it alone. Now, what I had in mind was a student police force with authority to discipline themselves. A student police force? Have you ever heard of such a thing? It's preposterous. No, it isn't, Mr. Conklin. The kids would be ashamed to be caught driving recklessly by their own friends. And in conjunction with the police force, I think we should have a driving class at Madison. You mean you are actually proposing that we teach our students to drive an automobile during the regular school hours? Those who need it, yes. We could... Oh, look who just got to school. It's Mr. Boynton, isn't it? But he's behind you. How could you tell? By the way your eyeballs spun around in their sockets. <laughs> I always do that when I get something in my eye, especially him. <laughs> Good morning, Miss Brooks, Mr. Conklin. Hello, Boynton. Uh, sir, uh, there's something I want to suggest uh, to you. In, in a moment, Boynton. First, I'd like you to listen to an idea I just had. Yes, sir? What would you think of our instituting in this school a student police force? A student police force? Exactly. One with authority to discipline each and every offender among the student body. Say, that sounds like a fine idea. You really like it? I love it. I hate it. <laughs> that was only part please, of it. Please, please, Miss Brooks, please. I'd uh, <laughs> like to hear what Mr. Boynton has to say to me. Well, sir, it was just that I read where Jason Brill over at Clay City has organized a driving class for the students, and I think we should follow suit. Some days it doesn't pay to get out of bed. <laughs> a driving class? Now, that's what I call a sterling suggestion. An extremely original thought, Boynton. It is with a great deal of pleasure, therefore, that I hereby appoint you Madison's driving instructor. You'll give your first lesson at 2 o'clock today. Oh, but Mr. Conklin, I can't give any lessons today. I've got too full a schedule. Besides, this isn't a job for just one person. From what I've read of other schools, it's usually operated by a team of teachers. Oh, I see. Well, who else could we get? Well, how about Miss Brooks here? Miss Brooks? Poynton, are you suggesting that we have a woman... Teach our already reckless drivers how to operate a motor vehicle in safety. <laughs> Isn't that like carrying coal to Newcastle? <laughs> I don't mind. I'll wear gloves. <laughs> well, I've driven with Miss Brooks many times, sir, and I can assure you she's extremely competent behind the wheel. I suppose there's nothing else we can do. So against my better judgment, I hereby appoint you one of the instructors, Miss Brooks. Oh, you won't be sorry, Mr. Conklin. I'll make you glad you picked me. You'll see. I'll do a great job with these kids. I'll get them right in line. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, step back, Miss Brooks. You're fogging my glasses. <laughs> yes, Mr. Conklin. Now, for the head student traffic officer, I'd like to submit the name of Walter Denton. Walter Denton? <laughs> but I've seen that idiot drive. To propose Walter Denton as a police officer is devoid of any spark of intelligence, Miss Brooks. But you're wrong, Mr. Conklin. Don't you see, this is a perfect example of criminal psychology. 
By making the worst offender a law enforcement agent, he is automatically eliminated as a reckless driver. Well, that does seem to be a pretty logical argument, sir. Uh, wait, wait, wait a minute, both of you. While you were talking, I was thinking. Why don't we appoint, as head of the student police force, somebody like Walter Denton? <laughs> that idiot driver? Don't you get it? By making the worst offender a law enforcement agent, he's automatically eliminated as a reckless driver. Mr. Conklin, that's a stroke of sheer genius. Let me shake your hand, sir. Here. <laughs> well, Miss Brooks, do you care to add anything to my little plan? Yes, sir, I would. But there's one thing that prevents me. Oh, what's that? I can't seem to get my words out of your mouth. <laughs> Colgate toothpaste. Cleans your breath. Water toothpaste. Water cleans your teeth. Colgate dental cream cleans your breath while it cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. More than two years' research showed the Colgate way of brushing teeth right after eating helps stop more decay for more people than ever before reported in dentist history. Yes, the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Better than any other home method of oral hygiene. No other dentifrice, ammoniated or not, has proof of such results. And you should know that Colgate, while not mentioned by name, was the one and only toothpaste used in the research on tooth decay recently reported in Reader's Digest. So always follow the Colgate way to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. And stop tooth decay best. Brush your teeth with Colgate. Colgate dental cream. It cleans your breath. Water toothpaste. Water cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Well, right after lunch period, Mr. Boynton had to go down to the biology supply house. I wanted him to stay and help me with the driving lesson, but he said he couldn't afford to miss a great opportunity. It seems the supply house had just received a rare shipment by airmail. As I recall, they were either English angleworms or Anglish ingleworms. <laughs> in any event, I had to stop in Mr. Conklin's office for further instructions. Well, Miss Brooks, as faculty advisor to the new student police force, you'll be pleased to know that Mr. Stone, the head of the Board of Education, is 100% behind my plan. Good. He had one suggestion, moreover, which I believe to be sound. The force will function as a policing agency for both students and faculty. If a teacher is caught violating a traffic law in this area, he or she will be punished accordingly. That sounds fair. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, I have before me a list of possible penalties for the guilty ones. As you know, we can't fine the students, and it would be inequitable to impose cash fines upon the teachers. Inequitable and uncollectible. <laughs> Quite. Uh, so, for the first offender, I have decided that the penalty will be mowing the lawn every day for a month and cleaning all the windows. All the windows in the school? Uh, no, all the windows in my house. <laughs> school project. The board would never stand for anybody doing your personal work, warden. I mean, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> On the second thought, nothing succeeds like good old KP. Yes, that's it. When we really want to make an example of someone, we'll do what we did in the army. We'll hustle him up to the cafeteria, hand him a mop, and say, 
Get with it, Matilda. Make those floors shine. What branch of the wax were you in? <laughs> now, about the driving class, Mr. Conklin, there's one minor detail we've overlooked. What's that, Miss Brooks? We don't have an automobile. It'll take quite a bit of time for the board to provide a vehicle for us. Well, borrow one temporarily. All right, I will. Mr. Conklin, may I borrow your car for the driving lesson today? <laughs> My car? You must be joking. You don't think I'd entrust my automobile to a gang of scatterbrained, bumbling jitterbugs, do you? But, sir, Jason Brill donated his car to Clay City High. Jason Brill? Yes, sir. And every paper in the city ran his picture and a nice story about him. The silver one on the end is the ignition key. <laughs> I want to talk to you. Who wants to talk to me? Don't let the black turtleneck sweater and the pilot's goggles fool you. It's me, Walter. For goodness sake. What are you dressed up like that for, Walter? Going to a maxerade? (laughs) Of course not. No, I've just been commissioned captain of the Madison High Safety Patrol. No kidding. When do you go overseas? (laughs) I know. It's a local office. I'm head of the student police force. You see, I just got my orders from the Board of Education. Mr. Stone himself told me to be sure and make an example out of any traffic violators. And that includes teachers, too. Oh, it's a big responsibility, Stretch. You know something, Walter? I can see a change in you already. You can? Sure, you got jam on your face instead of peanut butter. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder how we got to be such good friends. <laughs> Look who's coming in, Walter. It's Miss Brooks. Oh, she hasn't seen me since I put this black outfit on. I'll slip the goggles over my eyes and see if she recognizes me. Okay. Hi, Miss Brooks. Look who's here. Recognize him? I'd know him anywhere. Baron von Richpuffen. <laughs> no, ma'am. It's me, Walter Denton. Now, this is the outfit I'm going to wear for tracking down traffic criminals. Well, I've got to get ready to go on patrol, Miss Brooks. Uh, will you excuse me? Of course, Baron. Uh, Walter. See you later, Captain Denton. At ease, my man. Well, see you at the lineup, Miss Brooks. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Stretch, Mr. Conklin sent his car over here to be repaired. Could you tell me where it is? It's right there. That's the one I just finished working on. You? Yes, ma'am. I straightened out a fender for him. It's as good as new now. Oh, fine. Also, I had an extra hour to kill in the shop, so I went under the hood and fixed up Mr. Conklin's clutch, retimed his distributor, and checked his ignition system. But I've got to give a lesson in that car. Oh, don't worry about that, Miss Brooks. What I'd done couldn't make too much difference. Not when I had to work in the dark like I did. In the dark? The bulb burned out in my work light. I did the whole job in total blackness. But why didn't you put another bulb in the work light? My motto is, don't tackle no new trouble till you conquer your old trouble. (laughs) I better tell you about a few simple changes I made in the mechanism. I discovered them after I got the light fixed. I wish I knew more about self-hypnosis. Go on, Stretch. Well, first of all, to let out the clutch, use the brake pedal instead. <laughs> That's a pretty simple change. All I have to do is put my right shoe on my left foot. <laughs> well, I jazzed up the motor so I can really dig out, only to use a hand throttle. The gas pedal now acts as the brake. <laughs> reverse in the glove compartment? <laughs> no, ma'am. I eliminated reverse. And also first and second. And I fixed the ignition so you have to turn it on from under the hood. 
That way nobody can steal the car. Who'd want it? <laughs> Stretch, before I take this flying saucer out of here, are you quite certain I won't have to steer from the back seat? Gosh, no, Miss Brooks. That'd be dangerous. <laughs> Stretch, remind me to mark your next test paper with an empty fountain pen. <laughs> Quiet down. Now, we've completed our basic blackboard work on courtesy of the road, and now we're going to have a practical demonstration out here on the street. Harriet Conklin, I believe your hand was up first. Yes, Miss Brooks. I'm very anxious to learn how to drive. Of course, I don't know how Daddy will feel about it. It shouldn't take long to find out. He's standing right at your elbow. How observant. <laughs> what is all this, Harriet? I've wanted to learn for a long time, Daddy. Mother says she thinks I should. Oh, she does. (laughs) Well, won't that be bully for me? (laughs) Mine will be the only car in town being driven by two tender assassins. (laughs) Please, Daddy. I'll be very careful. And Miss Brooks is here to teach me. Exactly. I refuse to place my own flesh and blood in jeopardy. But, Mr. Conklin, Harriet has just as much right to take advantage of this class as any of the other kids. You said yourself, Daddy, that this school is run on democratic principles. Please let me learn. Oh, all right. But you're not going to learn from Miss Brooks. I personally will give you your first lesson. Get in, Harriet. But, Daddy, what will Miss Brooks... Your precious Miss Brooks can climb in with us. Now, come on. Maybe I can teach you to operate this vehicle and still eliminate some of the natural female driving instincts. Uh, before you start, Mr. Conklin, the ignition is on, but I think uh, will you, you should know. Please get in. Yes, sir. Mr. Conklin, I'd like to explain something about the mechanism of this car. It's got a new you, kind. You want to explain something to me about my own car? <laughs> now that is what I call rich. <laughs> What are you laughing at? I guess I'm just a copycat. Let's get started, Daddy. I'm anxious to get the principles down pat. When we get started, I know one principle you'll have down. Uh, Ladies, ladies, stop the chattering, please. We're about to begin. Now, first, Harriet, to start the car, I press this little button on the dashboard. Firmly, like this. It didn't start. No, but all the lights went on. (laughs) I'll try it again. Ah, there we are. Now, I'll just shift it into first gear. What's this? The clutch won't move. Of course not. You've got to step on the brake. Step on the brake? To start my car? You depress that brake pedal, Harriet. Let's surprise your daddy. Okay. Here goes. Good heavens, what happened? Watch where you're driving, Dad. You are. We're going 50 miles an hour, and I haven't shifted into high yet. any first or second gear. Oh, isn't any first or second?
this car can really dig out, Daddy. One more turn like that, and they'll dig us out of the upholstery. Well, this is awful. We're at the mercy of this steel monster. I've got to stop it. I would if I were you. Just step on the gas pedal. The gas pedal? You just went through a red light, Daddy. Now you're on the wrong side of the street. Please, sir, jam your foot down on the gas pedal. She's taken leave of her senses. We've got a maniac in the car with us. Calm down, Daddy. Maybe you ought to turn off the motor. Off the motor? Oh, yes, yes. Yes, that's what I'll do. I'll turn off the motor. But the ignition switch. Where's the ignition switch? That's up front, under the hood. <laughs> oh, good. I'll just step out and I'll walk up to the... Under the hood! to stop this juggernaut. I'll try to ease it over the sidewalk up ahead and bring it to stop against one of those hedges. Oh, oh here's a hedge that looks nice and bushy. Brooks returns in just a moment, but first, dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight? Yes, tonight. Show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Luster cream, world's finest shampoo. No other shampoo in the world gives you K. Dumas' magic blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Better than a soap, better than a liquid. Luster Cream is a dainty cream shampoo. Leaves hair three ways lovelier. Fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, manageable. Even in hardest water, Luster Cream lathers instantly. So gentle, Luster Cream is wonderful even for children's hair. Tonight? Yes, tonight, try Luster Cream Shampoo. Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl, you owe your crowning glory to a luster cream shampoo. And now once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, as soon as we determined that no one was injured, Harriet tried to console her father about the condition of his car. The insurance company will take care of your car, Daddy. They may even get you a brand new one. Oh, you're right at that, Harriet. It could have been a lot worse, couldn't it? Turn your head slowly to the left, Mr. Conklin. What? Stop in the name of the law. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's what I call a timely command. (laughs) Why, it's Walter Denton. So it is. Well, you just keep your nose out of this, Denton. You will kindly refer to me as Captain Denton. You forget, sir, I was commissioned by your superior officer, Mr. Stone, head of the Board of Education. What? But there's no reason for him to hear this. Not unless you're recalcitrant. Nice word, Captain Denton. (laughs) (laughs) May I borrow your pencil, please, sir? My pencil? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Here you are. 
Captain. We were just driving along at a normal rate of speed, but suddenly uh, things... How do you spell psychopathic? Psychopathic. P-S-Y-C-H-O-P-A-T-H-I-C. Now, you don't have to enter too specific a report about uh, it. Driving minor... down Main Street like a psychopathic idiot. <laughs> what? P-S-Y-C-H-O. Look here, Denton. Officer Denton. Couldn't we talk this over, Walter? Walter, my boy? <laughs> Son? I'm sorry, Mr. Conklin. It's extremely difficult for me in this instance, but I must be ruthless. It is difficult for him, Mr. Conklin. Walter's naturally very rude. Here you are, sir. <laughs> Well, where, where my glasses fell off when we stopped this booby trap. Here, I'll read it for you, Mr. Conklin. It says, for offenses too offensive to mention, starting this evening, the prisoner will serve 30 days on KP. KP? Me? But I can't. I won't. I won't. Something must be done about this. Well, don't sit there, Miss Brooks. Tell me what I can do. Pick up your mop, Matilda. Those floors must shine tonight. <laughs> this is Burns Smith reminding you to tune in next week to another Our Miss Brooks show. Brought to you by Lustrous Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis, with the music of Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, and Leonard Smith. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be along next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.